Hey, business building warrior. Thank you for joining me on Silent Sales Machine Radio. I'm your host today, Jim Cockrum, and I have a guest today who'll be joining me very shortly. And you're going to love this guy's story. He really kind of blew me away with the results that he's getting and how quickly he's built a beautiful business. Now, in full disclosure, he's been doing e-commerce for quite some time, as he shares today. Towards the end of the interview, however, he points out, wow, I wish I'd have found Amazon and found this system so much sooner. It could have gone so much further than I, than I went. But he accomplished some very impressive things early on in his e-commerce journey, as he'll share, but all of them eventually fizzled over time. He actually even found himself not too long ago delivering sandwiches, being a delivery driver. But he discovered replens, the Amazon replens model, as taught in the proven Amazon course, provenamazoncourse.com, which, by the way, is where we get all of our guests for this program. Hundreds of guests on this program have been success stories from the proven Amazon course. But Chris, our guest today, jumped into the replen system just a few months ago. As of last month, March of 2023, last full month as I'm recording this, he did about $300,000 in total sales using the Amazon replen system, as you're going to hear him describe today. That's pretty incredible just a few months in. And here we are in April recording this podcast episode. He's set to do that again or bigger this month. He's finding incredible products. He's found at this point about 200 profitable products, as he'll describe his process, how he's found them, what he does. Something that stands out today that's interesting to me is that he's doing a lot of merchant fulfill, meaning he's shipping the products himself out of two-car garage where he lives, his house, his small team. There's just a handful of them, three or four people. They're shipping $300,000 worth of stuff a month. And he shares all his details, his numbers, how he's sourcing his products, what his products are, his profits, all of that. He goes into detail on all of it. This is a longer episode today. So as I was recording the introduction afterwards, I decided I think what we'll probably do is break this into a two-part episode. And you can enjoy this in two different listens. If you saw the full thing as one long conversation, you might be intimidated by the length. And I don't want anyone to be afraid to listen to this thing thinking, oh, that's long. So I'm going to break it up. So you can consume it in two different parts. So the episode right after this one today will be part two of this episode. So look for it right next to wherever you're listening to part one today. We'll make that very easy for you and very clear. You can go to silentgym.com and see both episodes right next to each other as two great conversations with our guests today. Now, if you've never heard us talk about Amazon replens before, maybe you're new to our community, let me just tell you a couple things to help set this one up today. I've got 20 years of e-commerce experience. We've taught dozens of different strategies over those years. I've implemented and built businesses around dozens of different strategies. We've never seen anything as stable and reliable and scalable, as low risk as easy to learn in small baby steps while putting money in the bank while you learn as the Amazon replens model. And we have hundreds of success stories on this podcast. This show is committed to the vast majority of our shows are success stories with students who've launched businesses using those exact strategies that we teach in the Proven Amazon course. Hundreds of episodes. That to me is pretty impressive. Even as a guy who's been around as long as I have, I'm just not aware of anyone else who has a podcast committed to interviewing the 
dozens and dozens and dozens of recently successful students with the strategies that they teach. But that's what we do here. So if you're new to checking out selling on Amazon, or you think you know what it means to sell on Amazon, if you haven't studied the proven Amazon course strategies yet, the replens strategies that we teach and started teaching several years ago and have now, I believe, perfected as much as anyone in the industry, well, that's where you need to start with that strategy. We're very proud of it. If you want to come hang out with hundreds of people from our community, listeners to this podcast, who are students of the Proven Amazon course, they've implemented the strategies, in many cases, built big, beautiful businesses, or in some cases, they're just getting started. Maybe they're brand new, but hundreds of us are going to gather July 6th through 8th, 2023, in Columbus, Ohio. We'd love to see you there. The website is three words. Remember these three words, the Proven Conference. That's the name of the website, theprovenconference.com. Go there. We still have tickets. If you can't afford to attend because of the price of admission, we have scholarship programs that give completely free admission to those who are willing to fill out a short form and tell us a little bit about what you hope to accomplish and achieve at the event. We'd love to have you there. We won't call you out or embarrassing you in any way. As far as everyone at the event knows, you're just there attending as a paid attendee, just like everyone else. But because our event is now paid for by our generous sponsors who've really stepped up this year, we are excited to give away a good handful of first-come, first-serve scholarships. So get to theprovenconference.com slash scholarship, and you will see the website. There's a link in the show notes as well to that same website, as well as everything else we're going to discuss today with our guest, who's built an amazing business very rapidly. Well, I think it's time for us to jump over and meet our guest today. Like I said, this will be a two-part episode. So look for the next episode right next to this one if you want to hear the second part of my conversation with our guest. Let's get Chris on the line right now. So Chris, welcome to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to meet you, my friend. Really looking forward to your story. Ready to go? Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm from uh, Tampa, Florida. Was originally from Michigan and everything. Uh, I started e-commerce back when I was in high school, 2000, 2013, actually. I was in my senior year of high school and had kind of uh, started doing what used to be more or less a podcast, but it was an interview with a guest and we had a product that they were selling and whatnot that eventually moved over into me finding success. Mom had decided, hey, let me see if I can figure out some more ways to find money and whatnot online and whatnot. And uh, yeah, so she comes to me in the middle of the night and goes, hey, let's sell t-shirts online. And I go, what do you mean t-shirts? What, what, what is this? And uh, yeah, so she comes to me with this uh, kind of like webinar thing of uh, this t-shirt course and everything. And I didn't pay much, much mind to it because I was an 18-year-old kid. And I was like, I have no idea what this is that can't be successful, can't possibly, you know, this guy, there's no way he made $100,000 selling t-shirts online on this on this website that he doesn't even own or whatnot. And then eventually I picked up the course, went through it in 2014 and started selling uh, the name t-shirts that used to be all over Facebook and whatnot via Facebook ads. And my very first month that we had done that, uh, started struggling a little bit. And then fast forward to the end of that month, had done our first $100,000 in sales doing that. And then... Uh, was that fueled by paid ads, I'm wondering? It was all paid ads. 
on that. So uh, we had done 100,000 in uh, commissions on the website and our ads on that was $30,000. That that used to be back when uh, you could scrape the user IDs and things off of Facebook and, you know, uh, literally have a t-shirt that would say uh team gym on it yeah i've i've i remember those being advertised and they vanished suddenly what five six years ago it seems like and these they were gone <laughs> but yeah because yeah. overnight facebook had made a uh, a sudden policy change and it was just done business Which, there's a great lesson in that i mean i've been doing e-commerce for 20 years and if you're relying on the big boy platforms for absolutely everything and you've only got one strategy Man, you, you want to diversify. It sounds like you learned that lesson uh, overnight. I mean, talk me through what, what was it like the day before that change happened and the day after? Was that like a panicked day? Was that a hard day or did you kind of see it coming? So I had seen it coming because the amount of marketers that had jumped on it, uh, it was sure. one guy who, who put it out to a group of about 3,000 of us uh, e-commerce t-shirt sellers and whatnot. Right. And, and uh, very, very quickly, we all got you know, the ball rolling and we were all experienced great success doing it because it was something that no one was doing. And it was a very cool, uh, kind of a novelty thing of the time and whatnot. And, uh, but there was a saturation point. It saturated so quickly. Every other ad was a, uh, name t-shirt on your, on your feed and people started getting very concerned. And that was back when Facebook had started, uh, people had started noticing the privacy concerns of Facebook. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, suddenly like a switch occurred in their head hey this company has my data or someone has my data that's advertising us so yeah kind of kind of my history of e-commerce and everything since then uh we went over to shopify you know kept being successful in selling our products uh, whether it was a t-shirt or um an area rug the canvas portrait sets that used to be advertised all over just kind of went from product to product. I had made my own print-on-demand company that we had done these products where we were doing all the fulfillment ourselves as well as the production of them all. And then just, I got very sick and tired of Facebook constantly changing their paid ads rules on a right. dime. Every single every single time something would happen, we would lose an ad account or I would lose my own personal Facebook account that I had had. Um, I've probably gone through more Facebook <laughs> accounts than you have, you know, That's funny. most family relatives. <laughs> I've, I, yeah, I've only had one account, but I've never done any Facebook advertising. But those people who do Facebook ads, I know. It's just, it's brutal. They can turn on a dime, shut you down. <laughs> That's kind of the reputation is, if it's working, it's not going to last very long when it comes to Facebook ads. <laughs> There's a couple of my friends who have, you know, kept everything compliant and everything through the years. They've always maintained, you know, good standing with them, but stories of them are very few and far between. Sure. Um, Let so me just that, ask you a question based on, you know, because I know very little about Facebook ad marketing actually, but <laughs> somehow in their infinite wisdom, Facebook saw fit to give me a blue check about a year ago next okay. to my name because I've got a fairly large Facebook group and right. it's really active. And I did have people trying to pretend to be me. Mm-hmm. Is there any marketing advantage that you're aware of that I have as a guy who was given a you know public figure blue check, which you know you could that and fifty cents will get you a cup of coffee at McDonald's. But you know what, if anything, advantage from a marketing vantage point do I have? So up until recently, when they released that uh, you know pay for the blue check thing, um, and everyone can do that now, 
basically you had kind of more of the social clout is kind of how I had perceived it, where sure. you, you know, could market yourself as a public figure or whatnot and go, right. Hey, this is the real me that from a branding perspective, the people with the blue checks, you know, stood out that, that right. more of us as a person. Less brand. so now that you can pay 15 bucks a month and anyone can have it now by showing your driver's license. Right. And it's the same blue check at this yep, point. Same, same exact cool. blue check. Well, I can say this, you know, just to make us relevant for the listeners today that I've noticed, like I get on popular discussion threads or, you know, popular pages, news pages, that sort of thing. And if I leave a comment, even if it's the discussion's already been going for an hour or two, if I leave a comment, it tends to float and get a lot of attention with that blue check. So if that algorithm has remained the same, you really can, you know, my followers on Facebook shot up. I went from like 3,000 followers to 18,000 over the course of the last year without really intentionally trying to do anything. It just happened because of that blue check that they threw on my account. I'm not paying for it, which is cool. But if you do pay for it, you know, it might be a decent investment if you're looking to, to grow your followers on, because uh, still very few people have done it, as best I can mm-hmm. tell. From my conversations with a few people on it, you know, it just, it's more, hey, this person is now relevant they're paying and they're going to be actively more engaging with uh you know our content and everything and i'm talking like facebook viewing it on everything yeah. so you know what they have to say they're paying for this uh blue check that kind of thing yeah so hopefully there's some good tips for the listeners and it certainly you know tells me that i, I could probably should be using it in more creative ways than i have um, most of my time on Facebook is just spent in the Facebook group serving the listeners to this podcast. Yep. Uh, 72,000 members. There's a link at silentgym.com. And we talk about e-commerce, primarily Amazon. Uh, that's where I spend most of my time. But I do occasionally do a few other things. And uh, on my personal page, for example, you know, most things I post get a lot of attention now because they threw that blue check at me. So if you're trying to get more attention on Facebook, it might be worth giving it a shot, it sounds like. But uh, back to everything. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, Sorry no, for the so distraction. Oh, no, you're good. But, so I, I just got sick and tired of dealing with all the ups and downs of Facebook and everything. And uh, every day I kind of wanted to pull my hair out doing mm. all these paid ads. I mean, my schedule was I'd stay up till three, four in the morning trying to launch ad campaigns. That way it was uh, for Pacific Standard Time and all that. So in about 2018, I switched over to doing Etsy. Um, and I was pretty successful over on Etsy from the time I was doing Etsy in 2018 to about 2022, uh, mid-22 here, before I kind of picked up uh, Amazon. During selling on Etsy and everything, I caught a couple of big waves on some products that we were doing, like selling uh, the custom printed face masks that everyone had to have. Um, we sold like 100,000 of those in the one and a half year window where uh that was required with COVID compliance and everything like that. And then during that time, I had kind of gotten a little bit bored just doing the print on demand thing that I had done for almost, you know, eight years at that point. And I turned to uh, like botting hyper in demand items uh, like shoes and PS5s and things like that. And that's kind of when I had gotten my start actually selling on Amazon was I had tried flipping and selling some of those computer parts in uh, GPUs on Amazon. Back at the time, there was that chip shortage going around and I was like, oh, right. oh wow, we can make you know some good money. So I was buying stuff at Best Buy with our sales tax exemption and then putting it on Amazon and we had you know made a ton of sales very quickly, but then that fizzled out real quick once uh, the, the supply had kind of caught back up with everything. 
So I was like, all right, back to, you know, I either need to figure out how to do this Amazon thing or back to, you know, selling, you know, the PS5s and kind of like uh, your, your guys' uh, proven uh, book book thing where you guys are selling books to uh, the bulk buyers. We yeah. were selling electronic uh, stuff, whether that was iPhones, PS5s, computer parts, to bulk electronics buyers that are more than likely selling on Walmart or Amazon themselves. For those who don't know what Chris just mentioned, he's talking about our safe book profits is, is what you're now expect you to memorize the names of all of our courses. I can hardly do it. We got so many great courses and content out there, but safe book profits is, yeah, you, you can send books a whole box at a time to buyers that buy all of it. And it's a, it, rather than one at a time, you're going to get maybe slightly lower margins, but you can just move a bunch of books fast. You were doing that with electronics. That course, I'll take a link in the show notes. It's at provenamazoncourse.com slash safebook profits. But uh, like I said, I'll put a link in the show notes for everything we talked about today. But yeah, that's cool, man. You, you've certainly been doing a lot of creative things. Have you ever had a real job, man? <laughs> it doesn't sound so, like it. <laughs> so other than working with family and whatnot during uh, like construction and stuff like that, I had one little event uh, and it was when Facebook was on Capitol Hill. I had lost all of my remaining Facebook ads accounts. And we had just moved about six months before uh, from Michigan down to Florida. And I literally ran out of money. I had to, you know, call dad to get a loan, uh, j- just pay for rent and everything. And, uh, you know, help me and mom out and whatnot to take care of everything. And I had to go get a job. And I tried getting a job, uh, like doing marketing and stuff. Uh, and I think I was 20. 21 at the time, or it just was about to just turn 21 and no one would hire me because they were afraid I was going to come into their business and either leave very quickly, or I was going to learn whatever they were doing um, in their business. <laughs> and copy it. Yeah. <laughs> You're not a drone that just kind of shows up and does this job. You are, you launch businesses, which by the way, that's the perfect way to do life, in my opinion, is to never have a paycheck. I mean, that to me is ideal. Never have a paycheck. You just build businesses. You're entrepreneurial. Uh, but it's interesting to me, as much money as you made, and maybe some people were doing math in their head, it's like, what? You ran out of money. <laughs> How'd that happen? Well, that's the ups and downs. I mean, e-commerce is, it's boom and bust, especially if you're chasing the opportunity or the flavor of the month. And it's just, it's up and down. I've seen people, you know, I've been doing this 20 years. This has been the only income for my family for 20 years, which is pretty significant you know, is a statistic for people who committed to that path. And one of the things I've had to rely on very heavily is the low hanging fruit, boring stuff, but always be looking for more of it. Not the latest shiny object stuff, but the boring stuff that's been working for three or four years kind of under the radar. That's what I've relied on. Otherwise, you know, we've definitely had those very tight moments where the stuff, I've seen so many things that were working, you know, now that stopped working six months from now uh, that I've, I've gotten more cautious about what I get into, I guess. But I think people are going to be fascinated by your story because you were putting up some big numbers. But now you're trying to go find a, a job. Uh, yeah. So, so I had, I had, you'll love the job that I had done. I had, uh, I've always been good with cars and everything. My last name's Car. I come from the Motor City and stuff. Loved Need for Speed video games as a kid and all that. And literally, the only job I could get was being a delivery driver for Jimmy John's. And I needed for you, though, man. You know what? And to people out there hustling, listen to this podcast right now, maybe DoorDashing or, you know, TaskRabbit or delivery driver of some kind, you've got what it takes to build a beautiful business and do what it takes to pay the bills. 
stay motivated, stay focused. But yeah, good for you, man. I, that's not a, I don't take that as a negative. I take that as you doing what you had to do at the point, the moment you were at in life. And, um, you know, I remember my, my dad deciding to go back to college in his, his thirties and going to Bible college and working, you know, praying one night saying, God, if it's, if I got to go to Taco Bell to pay my bills and feed my family, I will, what do you got for me here? And he found another job then, but he was willing to do what it took. And I'd like to think I'm there too. You know, if things change and life changes, I'm going to do what it takes to take care of my family and I'll do it with pride and excellence until the next opportunity comes. But I see the the landscape of e-commerce is just so expansive. There's always a way to jump back in. So how long were you delivering sandwiches? How long did that last? So it lasted realistically two months. And then I had made enough money that we were paying, you know, the bills and everything finally. And then uh, that last month, so it was three months in total. The last month I had started, I finally had enough time from working, you know, every, every hour I could, you know, they said, Hey, we need a driver over here at this store, at this store, whatever. I was like, yes, I'll take the hours, take the hours, you know, just, just constantly kept saying yes and got myself through the position that I was in. Cause I had never given up during that time. I was like, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to get back up on my feet. This is a momentary thing. And yes. it was funny. All my coworkers had kind of knew I was only there for a short time until, but they were, you know, they weren't sure my stories that I had had. They were like, well, why are you here? And I was like, well, fell on hard times and it can happen to, you know, the best of us. I was a young guy. I'm still a young guy, but I was a young guy who wasn't very good with his money. (laughs) Sure. It doesn't matter how much you earn, you can outspend it easily. (laughs) And it just, it happened. So probably within three months, I had quickly gotten a new website back up and running and we had started going again and got a new ad account back up and Literally, as soon as we had started doing sales um, and I was making more than I was in a week doing that job, I was like, I'm done. I'm wasting my time doing this. And I got back to scaling um, our e-commerce stuff. I uh, was doing, had just found Etsy during that time too. And that's kind of where that had started. So I was doing the Shopify thing and the Etsy thing all at the same time. And then moved on to Amazon here last year. I kind of picked it back up and everything after that initial electronic stint that we were selling everything on and uh, started really back like August uh, 2020 here. So maybe eight months ago uh, after just- 2022, August of yeah, 2022. 2022. Yeah, because yep. here we are in April of 2023 to give the listeners a bit of a timeline. Yep. So uh, we had just moved over into our new house, uh, had you know changed all the fixtures and all that stuff out of it and was like, okay, I'm bored now. Um, after doing nothing for probably about a month and a half and was like, okay, I need to do something. Started selling on Amazon, was going through uh, like Home Depot and everything, trying to find tools to sell and uh, just trying to do the online arbitrage thing. And you'll love this. Uh, I didn't realize why I wasn't getting any sales. And it turns out from my original selling account that I had set up to do the electronics, I was on not the professional seller account. I was just on the uh, regular seller account, the one that it charges you a dollar dollar per list. Wow. Instead of the pro seller, as soon as I turned that on, I had read something. I'm like, why am I not getting any sales? I was really frustrated. As soon as I turned that on, paid the $40, literally within about four hours, we had like thousand dollars in sales. (laughs) I, I come out of my office and I just start screaming. I'm like, 
Oh my God. I flipped a switch and it works now. Literally flipped a switch and and it was that simple. And I think I actually said that uh, to Katie, my uh, fiance. I was like, literally flipped a switch Mm -hmm. and holy shnikes, this, it just, it just started happening. For those who don't know what Chris is talking about, let me just explain to the listeners, Chris, real quick. When you sign up for an eBay, excuse me, for an Amazon seller account, you can either go pro or I think, I can't remember, it's called standard or individual. You want to go pro, which, yeah, 40 bucks a month versus free, but you get so little exposure. The free version is for people who have like two or three things around their house. They want to try to sell them and they're okay if they don't sell. You don't want that. If you're getting into Amazon... Typically, we say there's three things. If you're going to learn Amazon the way we teach it around here, the way hundreds of these podcast episodes, success stories you've heard, you're going to need three things. One is a professional Amazon seller account, 40 bucks a month. The other is proven Amazon course. The third is Keepa. And you're still at less than 100 bucks a month. Well, well under 100 bucks a month. Keepa, we talk about in podcast episode 369. If you're new around here, I'm not going to dive into what that is. We'll stick a link in the show notes. But yeah, back... Back to the story, man. So you flipped over to a professional account and off to the races. And just absolutely off to the races. You know, I come out of my office, look over the balcony down to the first floor of our house. And I'm like, <laughs> I did it. I, I figured it out, you know, and I'm like, okay. And, you know, fast forward uh, there, that was in October. We had, I think we had done like 20,000 uh, selling the tools and everything our first month and just kind of steadily had increased that to about 40,000 in sales each month there up until about January. And uh, just coming home from uh, Christmas vacation and everything, I had decided to start a health, fitness, mental toughness program called 75 Heart. And I was like, here, I'm going to, you know, really double down here on, you know, my uh, physical fitness down on the business. I really needed to develop some mental toughness and realistically discipline because I was pretty undisciplined in what we're doing and everything. And I was like, here, you know, do waking up whenever I want to just enjoying the perks of being, you know, that entrepreneur, but I wasn't getting necessarily the numbers or what it is I had wanted, you know, personally as my goals. So I was like, here, let me develop the discipline and started going through every single podcast I could on Amazon. And somehow I happened to have found you on a another person's podcast, you you were actually being interviewed and you were talking about this replunge thing. Okay. And I had listened to it and I was like, this is awesome. This is like a recession-proof business. If I can find these items that I can easily source, it's not just, you know, a clearance sale that, oh, these tools or these coffee makers or what whatever the product is, is 50% off and I'm going to make that margin. Those sales are always happening, but I was like, this is the business that I want to do because it's a recession-proof business. And that's kind of what we're going into right now, the way the world is and everything. I'm just like, here, this is this is it. So I had started listening. Just to pause you in a second, you know, hold your point. You're going to start listening to our podcast. You said it's recession proof. It's also, it helps you against inflation as well, because as we all know, you know, in inflation, the price of everything goes up. So it gets a little easier to find stuff that you can sell later for more money. If the price is already heading up, you're keeping your money, say you're keeping your money under your mattress where the inflation moths are eating it and destroying it. You're keeping it in physical product which worst case scenario is it's probably going to be worth more money tomorrow. Inflation is not ideal, obviously, but 
if you're going to keep your money somewhere, you know, you don't have to be a financial genius to understand, you know, you want to keep it in, in physical products versus currency. And the beauty of the replens model is you're constantly looking for fast moving, easily sourced, easily flipped physical products. So recession proof, inflation proof. Proof is a big word, but it's as guarded as you can get as a business model, when especially on online that I've seen. But yeah, yeah please continue. So, so you found our podcast, you started listening. Yeah, so, <laughs> I had found the podcast and everything and started just consuming every episode, started going back through older episodes as I would catch up to the newly released ones. I'd go back through as I'm sitting there either packaging or I'm in store trying to source and just scan everything I could. So probably about two weeks after finding uh, you and finding the podcast, I had, this is like the second week of January. I said, all right, cool. I'm going to take the time. I'm going to go in store and I'm going to literally just spend as long as it takes. I don't care. My phone runs out. Cool. I'll come home, recharge it, and then go back out. And, uh, literally spent three or four days, scanned every single item and just, I mean, literally went aisle by aisle by aisle and scanned every item in our local uh, Sam's Club, our local Costco. And then when uh, Katie and I, we would go to a store or what have you, she want to go shopping or go pick something up here. I would literally just, you know, babe, go have fun and go just start scanning everything I could around. And she, you know, I showed her how to do it and she'd help me get through some of the stores um, because she wanted to spend some time with me and whatnot. But yeah, literally spent like a week just going between the two stores. Uh, So it took me like three days to scan all of Sam's Club and then another three or four days to scan all all of Costco and just started finding our first replens in there. And then, I mean, I even go back to some of the stuff that we had scanned originally that I was like, okay, yeah, this is great, but it's not, you know, some of these ones that were hits out of the park. Uh, Now that I've had a lot more reps under my belt over the last three months of just uh, constantly selling, I'll go back to those products and be like, oh, wow, how did I not list this? Right. But now when you say that's hustling, by the way, congratulations, because a lot of times people say, yeah, I tried replens. It didn't really work out for me. Like, okay, what did you do exactly? Well, in the middle of being distracted with 18 other things they're trying to launch Mm -hmm. right now, you know, they gave it a couple hours and watched the video and scanned eight things at a Walmart clearance aisle. Like that's not replens, dude. (laughs) That is not replens. So you you say you're scanning, you know, words mean things. I want to really dive into that word particularly for finding replens. What were you doing exactly? What tools were you using? Were you using Amazon seller app to actually scan barcodes? You can come up with replens that way, but uh, you can also walk right past a lot of winners that way too. So dive into this a little bit. So what I was doing, uh, there were a couple of podcasts that I had found and everything that I was running through and just constantly going through. Um, Yours being one of them. And I had taken little bits from all these different sources and just kind of commingled them into more or less my own method, uh, but more the replens model. So I was using uh, Selleramp to sit there and scan in store because it's got Keepa built right into it. And then I can see all the active offers, the buy box, uh, whether it's FPM or FBA. And uh, yeah, so 
basically right. went, through, went through the store and input what my shipping costs were off of my UPS commercial account from you know our uh, print-on-demand business because uh, we have a little bit negotiated rates and everything. So I input those hard costs and uh, yeah, would just go literally item by item down, down the rows of each of the aisles and just sit there and scan every single item, scan, input the cost. And then eventually I started getting not a little bit bored, but I, I would just input the hard cost and then what it was selling on Amazon, save it. And then I'd come home to be a little bit more efficient in the store. I would just save it or snap a photo of it to make sure because mm-hmm. I wasn't aware at the time how the history worked on Celeram where I could just go back into it. So once I figured that out, I would just literally scan the barcode of everything, snap a photo of it on my phone, input the price, and then uh, come research back it later. And, and just research everything later. <laughs> and that was a tip that I had gotten off of the podcast. I forget who it was. Uh, it was one of the guys who uh, he sourced most of his stuff from. He was up in Canada or what have you, but he sourced most of his stuff from like Sam's Club or Costco up there. Yeah, yeah. And it's because the reason I want to hone in on that word scan just a little bit with you, Chris, I, I because I'm not aware, I am not aware of the process you're using currently. I know the big, big numbers you're putting up and how well you're doing. And that's a lot of hustle. But a lot of times a replan isn't just the item sitting on the shelf. It's the second or third listing. And, you know, it's on page six. It's that mm-hmm. item appearing on page six as a two-pack, for example. So if you're just scanning the barcode and selling individual, you're going to find there's a lot of great stuff out there for sure. But how much research are you doing beyond? Because we actually have a saying in our community quite a bit, whereas if you're scanning barcodes, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, Meaning so, you're just looking at one listing on, you're, you're getting one result on Amazon. So when I would come back through, there were all these variations on these products yes. that I'd find. And uh, again, going through the podcast and everything, I would start going through these listings after I figured out how to do the, the history on Celeram. And it, it probably took me two or three days of actually going and scanning and store to figure out how it all worked, how the app actually worked and everything. To I'd come back through and I would just sit on a computer, do the research. There would be variations of these packs. But then also in some of the cases, you know, there would be products that were just available on the shelf or whatnot that I would list and I would list it while I was in store because the numbers on it were so good that by the time I would get home, we would have sales on it. Yes, you're doing some merchant fulfill. So pretty much uh, 90% of uh, the numbers and everything that we've done have been merchant fulfilled. And I'll kind of go into that here in a sec, how I kind of decided to do the merchant fulfill versus the FBA process. But I wanted for the listeners here to just kind of give an idea of what we had done between January and the end of March. So we had scaled up in January. So Uh, how many many ASINs are we talking about? Just get people before we jump into the... so, so you'll love this. It was probably, I have 200 ASINs listed right now. Realistically though, everything that we had had that we were doing all the huge amount of turns on and the bulk of our volume was probably about 20 to 50 good ASINs. And the rest was just, you know, kind of filler or stuff that like, like a true replan, we would get, you know, one, mm-hmm. one to five sales a week. Yeah, um, but there, of course, there was some but the Pareto principle works in this business, mm-hmm. right? You feel the 80-20 rule. They, it, and that's true for everyone in the replens game. The top 20% of their ASINs are generating 80% of the revenue. Yep. 
approximately. Absolutely. But again, there were some volume monsters and stuff that got into a very interesting little predicament on how I had to source them here. So most of the stuff that we do is like either at Sam's Clubs or BJ's, uh, Costco, or uh, even Walmart. Um, I've got a little bit of OA in the mix, but most of it is either kind of like this weird hybrid uh, retail arbitrage, but almost now putting up the numbers that we're doing is kind of like a weird retail arbitrage wholesale model where we're going to the store and instead of buying, you know, five of them now, we're buying a lot more. Um, Right, you're finding ways to buy it in bulk if it's a a fast buying for you. Buying huge, huge, huge amounts of bulk because the stuff is going through that quickly. And true yeah. to the replens model, never buying you know more than a month's worth of inventory. Kind of my kind of my idea on how I approach things was here. Let me go in store. I'll scan the item. If it you know checks all my all my markers, it's got you know a twenty five percent ROI or a fifteen percent profit margin on the item. Where I'm turning you know a twenty dollar item into a five dollar profit at the end goal here. That's kind of where as an FBM seller, that's where I was like, hey, you know, if I'm packaging a box and it's a five dollar profit, that's cool with me. How many mm-hmm. times can I do that each and every day? So that that over the months from January to now, I think we had done like 40,000 in January and then it just quickly stacked. I'd have to look back at what we had done in February, but I know in March we had done uh, 300,000 in sales. Wow. That's amazing. 300K. So you really only learned the replens model. I mean, we're just talking a few months ago. Now you're an experienced internet marketer. You've done a lot. You obviously know how to crunch and track your numbers well, which is the skill that's brand new to some people. Uh, so you do want to know your numbers, but you've, you dove in and you just had a, this is last month, March, 2023, you guys did 300K. What's your, what were your net margins on that? What's your ROI net margins? If you know off the top of your head, approximate. So, so our net profit on it was 15%. Our ROI, don't know off the top of my head, the ROI. Net um, margins, more in profit, more important yeah. anyway, really. Uh, um, so, but yeah, fifteen forty-five thousand dollars of net profit, basically, after all said and done, after everybody's paid and everything, all mm-hmm. shipping supplies, right? Forty-five thousand dollars of yeah, net profit. Yeah. A few months into learning replans and how it works, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. phenomenal, dude. I so, love it. What kind of set me on this trajectory uh, was in February, off of our sales from August. Uh, Moving moving forward uh, in February, like mid-February, I hop on my account and Amazon uh, had offered me a loan. So I go, okay. And I sat, had a very serious conversation with uh, Katie and everything. And I was like, babe, I think I really need to just take this loan because either I can take this seriously and have skin in the game uh, with this loan. Or I can just keep doing it with our own money and everything, but it would allow me to scale up and buy larger amounts of inventory and not be afraid to take risks when there was a good OA opportunity that would come by. Uh, So for instance, there was like this Keurig coffee maker thing that we had launched uh, at the beginning of February. There was this deal on Walmart. It was like 50% off and uh, was making like $30 a unit on it. Bought. 25 of them. And it took me like two weeks to go through them. And I was like, huh, 
But I was like, had I not been, you know, had I had the proof of concept down a lot further where I could source this profitable inventory and not be afraid to move it or figure out what what it is I needed to do, uh, just kind of getting the reps of going, hey, this process works. I can do this, you know, at scale a little bit more. I felt in doing so and taking the loan that would allow me to have a little bit more skin in the game, but it would also, you know, double or triple my cash flow at the time for what I was willing to spend and put into the business. So, Absolutely. Uh, and, and just so you know, if you didn't realize it yet, the, the people who are ready to throw money at you as a successful Amazon seller with a, you know, 25, 25% ROI, 15% net, there's no shortage of, oh. I mean, there's, there's a good number of, and, and many, many really good options. Amazon is on the list of the top 10 from my vantage point, but it uh, doesn't necessarily gain you any advantages that you think it might gain you. Like, no. hey, Amazon's going to love me now because I'm using Amazon lending. No, completely different department. It has nothing to do with security and of your account. <laughs> They'd like you to no, think I, and, and looking back on, you know, my experience with Facebook and everything, I was like, yeah, no, it, it's not going to give me any advantage. But I was like, it will. It, the reason why I took it was it one, it was going to make me focus on the business because I was like, oh. hey, I have this payment that I have to make every single yeah. month that yeah. I need to figure out how I can turn this money as quickly as possible. Yeah. So that's what I had done. So in February, that's where things took off from the $40,000 a month and just started catapulting up to the point where we had done 500,000 here. Good for um, you, man. That's incredible. Are you familiar with like, uh, have you ever heard me talk about accrue me funding just to talk about some of the creative options that are out there? Like just for the listeners for a second is seven figure funding. There's many great options out there. Uh, some of them are sponsors of our community. I love dropping their names, but we handpicked them because we love the way that they're working with sellers. But like with Accrumi, for example, silentgym.com slash funding. You can go read about them. They give you a pile of cash and you don't owe any monthly payments. It's based on how much inventory you have and they give you the money. And then when you're ready to give them their money back, they take a percentage of how much you've grown since they gave you the pile of money. It's a pretty cool model. It's kind of like I equate it to having a rich uncle who's like, hey, here's some money, use it, grow your business. And when you're ready to give me the money back, which you will owe me the money back someday, obviously, but just give me a piece of your growth because I believe in the model. I've seen your track record. Uh, so you don't have to just use your own cash to build this thing. Once you're confident, and I love that tone of, you said, you know, once I was confident, proof of concept, you've learned those lessons. You've learned that just because you can turn a dollar into $5 doesn't mean you're ready to throw $10,000 at a process. <laughs> you want to turn that, you want to turn $10 into 50. And then you want to turn, you know, $50 into 250. You want to scale slowly. So you're confident in the system. You're not breaking any of the, you know, the, the parts that are important and vital for the process. Uh, but yeah, it sounds like you're positioned really well to take advantage of some funding options, and you can certainly mm -hmm. make a lot more money very quickly using other people's money, leveraging that. So well done, man. So tell me some about uh, something about some of this merchant fulfill process. And for those who don't know, let me just fill in a couple gaps before I turn you loose on merchant fulfill, okay? You mentioned earlier seller amp. I believe, I don't remember for sure, but I think we've got an either discount or special deal with those guys. I'll stick a link in the show notes. It'll at least be our affiliate link if you don't mind throwing us a bone if you want to go check out seller amp. Um, there's so many great tools that are used by the different successful replens, Amazon sellers in our community. By no means is that a magic button, but a lot of people like it. There's a lot of other, but the thing it has to have is 
Keepa. It's vital that you look at the Keepa data. So whatever tool you are using to help you make grid replens decisions, make sure it incorporates Keepa. Go listen to episode 369, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, But if you do end up using SellerAmp, we got a link there. Uh, And the other thing you talk, when we're talking about merchant fulfill, I just don't want to lose anybody here. When you're selling on Amazon, you can go one of two paths with your inventory. You can do both if you'd like. Send some of your inventory to Amazon's warehouse, do FBA, fulfillment by Amazon. They store it, ship it to the customers as the order happens, which is what most people do. But in your case, interestingly enough, you scaled very quickly, $300,000 last month at a great net profit, doing mostly merchant fulfill, or some people in our community call it FBM, fulfillment by merchant. So you've got the packaging and the you know you're printing the labels and as orders come in you're popping them out really fast because Amazon expects a lot of accuracy and speed and some people are afraid of the process as a result they're like oh I'll just let Amazon handle it well the fees are a lot higher if you let Amazon handle it but the pushback and I want you to address this too Chris is you get a lot more attention on your listings if you're FBA because now you're selling to prime buyers yep. whereas people who go in and say I only want to see prime deals they're not seeing your stuff. And I'm sure you've probably figured that out at this point, but you're doing really well in spite of that. So talk me through all of that at whatever whatever angle you'd like. So, okay. So here's what I was going to say earlier that I had said I would uh, eventually get to here in talking to you on the uh, FBM process and what we're doing. Uh, so I kind of decided to approach everything a little bit differently on our FBM since we have that previous experience running our print-on-demand business, doing you know volume of uh, fulfillment and everything. I was like, okay, cool. Uh, we're doing this all out of our two-car garage now, uh, by the way. <laughs> and just, uh, yeah. So the reason why I wanted to do FBM was because back when we were doing everything FBA uh, from August to about December, uh, I had transitioned everything over kind of stuff just wasn't moving as well as I would have liked it to, especially leading up into the holidays. So I was just like, here, let me FBA it. Um, plus, you know, it, it meant I kind of had some of my free time. I could just, you know, go on vacation, enjoy the holidays and all that. Well, as we got back from the holidays, I had started sending in FBA shipments of like our tools and stuff that we were doing at the time. And yeah, the halt of the product actually getting checked in and Amazon had actually kind of nudged me to do more FBM. So as I had picked up the replens and everything, what I decided to start doing in after developing a proof of concept with our inventory and kind of the products that we're on, I was like, okay, here, my rule kind of became if I hold it more than 14 days, I'm going to look at moving it to FBA. So there was a couple of like online arbitrage or, uh, Bolo type items, which stands for beyond the lookout that had came over my path from a couple of friends and stuff. And they just were not moving FBM. I had maybe sold one or two, but I had like 30 or 40 of them just sitting there. That was more of an OA type deal, not necessarily a replant, but there are these, there are certain products that move really well FBM. kind of like your consumables or uh, your grocery items. Some of those will sell really well at volume, FBM. And like I had said, there were some items that before I even left Costco or Sam's, I would list 
and it would mm-hmm. already be sold by the time I got back home. Are you talking about like some short expiration date uh, grocery items by any chance? Uh, kind of, but not. I mean, they're shelf stable, so yeah. <laughs> okay. Just yeah. some items tend to do better merchant f- merchant fulfill, and yeah, we've yeah. definitely noticed that as well. Um, and and yeah. what I mean by merchant fulfill is there's not a ton of FBA offers on it. There may be four or five FBA offers, but like I had said, we were waiting, you know, sometimes twenty or thirty days for our shipments to get checked in. They would right. either be really quick or right. really slow. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, the FBA, especially around the holidays. Mm-hmm. really starts to drag. I mean, you can see six-week check-in times. But uh, even even in January, it was it, it was bad yeah, for us. It can like, be, it can okay. be, it, you're exactly right. So the opportunity to list it available for sale right now is an advantage using Merchant right. Fulfill. It, that's where you hear the stories of people filling a shopping cart at a local retail store. And mm-hmm. as they're checking out, the sales have already happened for the product in their cart because they were listing it as they pulled it off the shelf. Right, and, and so they're selling stuff before they've even paid for it. And that's some a lot of this is. And I, here's what something I love about your story too, Chris, is I can see kind of the ebb and flow of people. They started off this going back six, seven years ago, doing the replens model when we first started introducing. It was all about local retail, mm-hmm. and people said, "Hey, you can do this online too. It's not as convenient because you got to wait for your inventory to get here, and sometimes it's not what you ordered." But then suddenly everyone got really enamored with doing online arbitrage. And suddenly we start hearing a lot of people saying more recently, I don't want to go to stores. I don't want to send a shopper to stores. I, I just want to do it all online because they associate that with being automated. And, and suddenly we have people like you popping up going, uh, hey guys, I did 300,000 last month, local retail basically. And, and the stuff that's good, I'll order it online, but my research is local and it's local retail store shelves. There's gold there. I love that about your story and just the commitment to store names that we all recognize. You're not even getting off the beaten path at all. I mean, you're going to stores that we all have access to within driving distance, the vast majority of us in the United States anyway. Anyone can get online and buy that same inventory at the same prices, by the way. But you just put in the time doing the research based off local retail. I love that part of your story. Hey, I hope you're enjoying the interview as much as I loved being the guy doing the interviewing today with my guest, Chris. He's a phenomenal guest, and I know you're going to love part two, which is located very near part one. Unless you're listening to this the day it came out, you might have to wait another day or two. We'll have part two of our interview located as our next episode. So go to silentgym.com, look for the episode you just heard, and look right next to it. The next day, you will see the episode for part two and enjoy the rest of the interview. We'll have more great episodes for you very soon. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit silentgym.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.